Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. And the big ticket in New Orleans, you know what it is already, National Championship Game on January 13th. You can go to the Game Time app and check it out. Also, Viking Saints playoff action. You could go to the Game Time app and check all that out. But now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year, so that is December 31st. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who-dat, who-dat stuff? Who-dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's, that's our... our our chant. Duncan Holder Podcast here with you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, uh, many of you are listening to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate the listens. Rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell 20, do all that good stuff. And of course, uh, at The Athletic, you could certainly listen to all of our podcasts. And before we get started, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, best time to do it is now. Monday and Tuesday, leading up to 2020, 50% off a subscription. So go jump on that at theathletic.com. Uh, local coverage, national coverage. It's overwhelming how incredible the job we do here at The Athletic. So go check that out and and jump on board with Jeff and myself. And Jeff is currently just getting off a plane from Charlotte as he covered Saints-Panthers. We're going to talk plenty about that. I was in Atlanta for the LSU demolition of Oklahoma. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, But Jeff, we're going to keep it pretty brief on the game just because look, Carolina didn't show up. The Saints were on fire, and that was pretty evident on the field at Bank of America Stadium, right? Yeah, and, you know, I would give credit to the Saints in that they did take care of business. I mean, we didn't see that happen in New England. Uh, Green Bay had to fight for their lives to survive. So I think it's a good sign, if you're a Saints fan, how well the Saints are playing right now. I, I know they don't go into the playoffs as the technically the hottest team in the NFL. I think that's got to be Baltimore, and technically Green Bay has won more games in a row. But if you throw in that uh, 49ers game, which I think the Saints played very well in, even though they lost, um, this team, I think, Larry, goes into the playoffs playing better than they did a year ago when they were kind of sputtering offensively going in, and it even showed up in the playoffs. So I like where this team's at. Obviously, they got to go on the road at some point, it sounds like. Uh, But um, I think this team's equipped to, to win games just about anywhere. Yeah, and Jeff, you had the uh, interesting stat of the 13-win teams that have had to play wild card weekend, and the Saints are now 
twice on the list with the last time being in 2011. And look, I know I'm sure the players in the locker room, I know you covered it and Catherine Terrell covered it for us at The Athletic. And it seems like just their mentality is continue to just go out and take care of business. You know, it sounds cliche, but what else can you do? And it's not like the Saints haven't proven they can uh, they can't win regularly on the road. They're one of the best road teams in the NFL. Just and that just goes to show you they're just one of the best teams in the NFL. And I agree with you. I think they're to me. I'd even put them maybe a little above. Baltimore. I think the Saints are playing the best football in the NFL right now. I really do. Yeah, all the way around. And, and they're, they're getting healthier now. I mean, they, they got back Andres Pete and Larry Warford for the game yesterday. So the offensive line's intact. And it sounds like some of their defensive players are going to start coming back into the fold here in the next week. They've shown some really good depth there. I mean, they won yesterday, Larry, with basically you know five starters on defense not in the lineup. I realized they were playing a rookie quarterback who was over his head a little bit, but uh, I think it speaks to the uh, mental toughness of this team, and that's what I think I got out of the locker room yesterday, and you've been in there a bunch too. I mean, these guys really aren't phased by, uh, you know, going on the road or adversity. They've been hardened over the years with what's happened to them, and I think they're just they, – they basically uh, forged a year's worth of practice – and uh, games to get to this point from what happened a year ago. And this team seems ready for the task at hand. I, I really think they're going to make a, a really deep run. And you mentioned some of the, the injuries on defense. Uh, they at least did get Kiko Alonso back. I think you kind of saw uh, an impact from him right away. Uh, again, another week in a row where P.J. Williams has to play safety and it didn't seem like it was above him to do that. And Janoris Jenkins had to start and, Patrick Robinson had to play a good bit. And so, at least in that sense, you have veteran players who can go in and play when you're down a few starters, say, in the secondary. And so, uh, I think it's encouraging going forward uh, if Eli Apple gets healthy, if Von Bell gets healthy, if Marcus Williams get healthy, that you have so many good pieces, I feel like, that you can overcome some of these issues if, if say one person goes down two three the Saints have really been able to play their best football through it all yeah and let's face it they're, they're gonna have to get their starters back in the postseason I mean they can get away with that against Will Greer and the Panthers uh, they're not gonna get away with that against Aaron Rodgers or uh, you know Jimmy Garoppolo Russell Wilson or somebody going forward they've got to have all hands on deck and I think Sean Payton knows that and I think they're just being smart I mean they're trying to get as healthy as they can, they know that they're going to have to have, uh, you know, a, a deep defense uh, in the postseason because the quarterback play is going to get a lot better, a lot quicker. And you look at what's going on ahead. I mean, the Saints. It seems like Alvin Kamara is playing well. Uh, Jared Cook is get getting involved. Traquan Smith, of course, Michael Thomas is always there. And Jeff, I think it's just another indication. Uh, look, Drew Brees is playing on fire that this offense looks more like the offense, say, of a lot of last year, not the end of last year. And how much do you think it has to do of the health of and, and relative health of Drew Brees outside of the thumb that, you know, he's not being looked at as, oh, he's wearing down. It seems like his trajectory is still going up and not falling off at this point. Yeah, he said that. He said he feels great. He actually feels like he's getting stronger as the season goes. 
and I don't know if he's relating that directly to the, the five or six weeks he you know, had off for the thumb injury, but he certainly looks good, and he doesn't look anything like, say, Tom Brady, who looks to me like he's kind of limping to the finish here in the you know twilight of his career. I mean, Tom Brady looks every bit of 41, 42. Uh, Drew Brees, look, he's not the deep ball guy. He's not the gunslinger guy he was five, ten years ago. We all know that. But he's plenty good enough the way they run their offense uh, to win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, he's playing as well as ever. He, I don't think he's thrown an interception now in about four weeks. Uh, other than that one game against, um, I forgot, it was a few weeks ago, they had three sacks in a game. I, I think he's only been sacked like three times in the last like five or six games. So they're not making uh, life hard for themselves. They eliminated the penalties yesterday. I think they had three penalties. Uh, all those things are really positive signs going forward, and they get a Minnesota team that I know will play a lot better in the playoffs uh, than they did in that Green Bay game the other night. I think they just laid an egg in that game. But I like their chances of advancing on against uh, Minnesota and, and getting on to Green Bay uh, to the divisional round. Yeah, and the Saints, just in case you're you're not aware, the Saints will host the Vikings this Sunday in the Superdome, 12.05 kickoff. So basically your average noon home game, I guess, except it's certainly in the playoffs. And, and Jeff, you look at this Minnesota team, I'm sure they'll have Dalvin Cook back. Uh, he didn't play, uh, hasn't played the last couple of weeks. Uh, and the Saints are the biggest favorite right now, odds makers, in wildcard weekend. And that really doesn't come as much as of a surprise to me. But, hey, playoffs are playoffs. Look, I, I, you know, the Saints have to continue playing their brand of football. And just remember last year, it's not like the Eagles were coming in on fire. And the Eagles, if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't let the ball fly through his hands and it gets picked off, the Eagles might win that game. So, you can't really take anything for granted. I know a lot of us uh, could be looking ahead to saying, oh, wow, they're going to go play Green Bay. Uh, and it's not like Kirk Cousins has been Mr. Playoffs. But still, uh, we've seen crazier things happen. So I think the Saints, just kind of like the way they've been playing, just businesslike, really just going full pedal to the metal, playing well on offense, playing well on defense. They need to continue that. They can't just... It's easy to say, oh, they'll go play Green Bay next week, but you got to beat Minnesota first. Yeah, no, and I think this team's done a great job of that, Larry. I mean, look at yesterday. It was a prime example. They didn't take that game for granted at all. They came out right out of the gate and dominated from the opening kickoff. And uh, like I said, you didn't see that in a lot of other places yesterday from teams in similar positions. So uh, I think this team knows it's a four-game season now. And they're just going to take them one at a time. I know it's cliche, but that, that's just how this team has operated. It's a mature team, and uh, I think they've waited a long time to get back to this point. They've had to take care of a lot of business to get there. And I don't think getting the number three seed deters this team at all. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a factor, uh, and I think they're going to be a very difficult team to beat. I mean, I, I think they're right now the second favorites in the NFC in Vegas um, behind San Francisco. Um, and I can see why, because the way they're playing in all phases, I think makes them the, the, the best team in the NFC. And here's the other thing, Larry. Let's let's, let's talk about this. I mean, this, this could be a wide open year. I mean, we don't know that the Saints 
possibly could go. Say they win Sunday, they get get up in Green Bay. They they could win that game. It's possible if Seattle were to get San Francisco again. We've seen how those two games have played in that series this year. It's not beyond possibility that Seattle could beat San Francisco or even Philadelphia could upset San Francisco on the other side of the bracket and the Saints would be hosting the NFC Championship game. Crazier things have happened in the NFL and this season with so much parity. Uh, I think anything like that is, is possible for the Saints team. Well, it's Jeff, it's funny you mentioned something like that because all we have to do is reverse back to 2011 when if the Saints would have beaten San Francisco, they would have hosted the NFC Championship game against the Giants because the Giants went up to Green Bay and beat number one seed, 15-1 and one Green Bay. And Jeff, you and me have talked about this a ton that I feel like the NFC is really strong. And look, the Eagles, they might not be as strong as maybe you would think, but they're certainly battle-tested. I mean, they've been Super Bowls and playoffs and look you know this is the third year in a row they're they're in the postseason and so uh, you this could be something that that you look at and uh, yeah I'm that's why I feel like the Saints even say that 11 season you felt like they were playing great football obviously I mean they had won how many games in a row I forget going into the postseason eight nine eight or nine I think yeah, yeah. and yeah and so uh, the Saints are playing almost like that uh, in a shorter spurt, but almost they're almost playing that that brand of football, and so uh, I I get why people would assume that they could get through this, but I do feel like, and something we've touched on a lot, that the bye week would have been nice. I'm not as concerned as the lack of home field advantage. The bye week would have been nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, like the venue doesn't matter to me. No, that, that's a great point. And here's what one thing I would say that I've learned in doing this book research that I'm doing, uh, dealing with the Saints and the, their offensive staff. I think it's less to do with the physical toll, Larry, than it is the mental toll. I mean, the, the more I've gotten involved in, in talking to the coaches, getting into the nitty-gritty of how the sausage is made for a game plan in the NFL – I'm not sure people truly appreciate just how much work goes in to each game. Uh, you know, the Saints, I guarantee their offensive staff was in the building uh, last night when they got in. They will be in all day today and all day tomorrow preparing, uh, you know, 16, 18-hour days just to get the game plan set for Wednesday practice. Uh, that mental load by this time of year just takes its toll. And so you get a relief from that uh, by having an off date. And I think just mentally it refreshes you as much as physically. Uh, I think that's a big, big factor that the Saints, you know, unfortunately aren't going to have the benefit of uh, enjoying. Yeah, and other teams will, and I get that. But, like, you know, hey, it's you get to the postseason, see what happens. Look, the New England Patriots are going to have to deal with that for the first time in a million years. You know, they're – I forget the date. It's been – I think it might have been since 2009 since the play, uh, Patriots had to play on wild card weekend. So, it's like they're going to have to go through something that they're not used to. And, uh, you know, look, the Saints, I feel like they, they're they just going to move forward. I mean, with just with the, the things that they do and, and you're seeing – guys like Kamara it's almost like don't have a week off because you want Alvin Kamara to keep going strong and you want Jared Cook to keep going strong and 
you know, in that sense, maybe it's a good thing. But yeah, the mental toll, Jeff, I think is is something big. But uh, uh, Jeff, but what do you make of kind of the rest of the NFC playoff race? I mean, we're not going to dive a bunch into the AFC, but uh, of, of what happened yesterday, Detroit almost helping, uh, Seattle almost helping. And it, it was a wild final day. And I'm sure you guys in Charlotte, I know the Saints, they park right behind you in the press box. I'm sure they were kind of on pins and needles uh, throughout the afternoon too. Yeah, during the game, especially toward the second half, most of the Saints executives, uh, you know, you're familiar with the Bank of America press box. Uh, they were out of their seats because the Saints game was obviously in hand, spending almost their entire time back along the bank of flat screens in the press box against the back wall watching the Detroit-Green Bay game. Uh, every play living and dying. And then uh, it, that game did not get over in time uh, for the Saints. The Saints game got over first. So, yeah, there's no, there's no doubt it's a wide-open year. Uh, I'm impressed with San Francisco, but they, they, were, they look like a team that's uh, maybe a year away from being, like, totally where I think they're going to be. I think they are the biggest threat to the Saints right now. By far, they're the most complete team, well-coached team. Uh, but I don't think anybody else should scare the Saints at all. they got to take care of business. There's no doubt. They can't look ahead. But I think of all the teams I've covered in the Peyton Breeze era, this is the most complete one. I mean, they really don't have any weaknesses. Uh, and I think they're experienced. They've kind of got everything going for them. Now they just got to go take care of the task at hand and play well and execute well and, and not turn the ball over. I mean, they just set a record for fewest turnovers in the season, two lost fumbles in a year. I mean, some remarkable things have happened this year uh, to give you encouragement that this team can um, put it all together for three or four games. No doubt about it. And, of course, uh, we will cover all that here at The Athletic uh, as we move forward. Uh, and coming up next here on Duncan Holder Podcast, we'll shift gears Talk LSU. Uh, they are in the college football playoff championship. They're going to be taking on Clemson here in New Orleans in a couple of weeks. So we'll touch on that. But before we get to that, look, talking about erectile dysfunction, it isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves or say things like, look, I might have lost my mojo or just avoid it altogether and make excuses. Sorry, honey, I've had a long day. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you could get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work for you. The best treatment plan possible. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Just go to Roman, GetRoman.com slash DH to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash DH for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash DH. Now, Jeff, it was funny that the Saints basically played a similar game to LSU the day before because they just put up points in bunches. Game was over before halftime was over. Uh, and uh, even Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister in their broadcast, it's funny, they were calling play-by-play of the Packers-Lions game because they were bored with what they had already. And you could have done that, the same thing, 
with LSU and Oklahoma. And Jeff, it was one of the most dominating first halves of football in college in a big game like that I have ever seen. And and it's in here I wrote about Joe Burrow after the game. And he even said that he didn't feel like he was as sharp as normal. And he says it with a straight face. And that just goes to show you the type of competitor and he is and just the type of football team LSU is as they just rolled over Oklahoma in Atlanta. And look, big game against Clemson, obviously, for all the marbles. Then it almost seems like, you know, for LSU fans, the season can't get any better than it already is, and it just keeps getting better, right? I mean, that was, that was, I think, beyond anybody's wildest dreams. I think everybody thought LSU was going to win and maybe even win handily at the second half or something. But forty-nine points at halftime—that was that's insane. Uh, and they just keep kind of exceeding our expectations. And we were talking while we were watching the game, Larry. Um, is you know you could make an argument that Joe Burrow's having the greatest season by a quarterback in the history of college football. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's outlandish at all to think that uh, what he's done has been remarkable. I don't, I don't think we'll ever see anything like what we're seeing right now uh, from Joe Burrow in LSU. Yeah, I don't know if another quarterback can produce these type of numbers, but I'll safely say that. I don't think anyone at LSU will ever do this again. I, I and yet maybe someone might. Who knows? Like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Maybe you start having those type of quarterbacks come in. But what just what he does, and it's not just his athletic ability and his smarts. It's just his pocket presence. And uh, shout out to Brody Miller here. I'll drop a Saints bomb, but it is Breeze esque. I mean, we say it every week and every week and every week, and. Uh, Jeff, it's just what it is. It's just the type of player he is, and he's not going to overwhelm you with phys- as a physical specimen, uh, but he just plays the position with precision and accuracy and smarts that we've never seen. And I wrote it in my column, Jeff, that he might be the greatest college football player single season that we've ever seen, not just quarterback, just in general. Uh, and that's how well he's playing. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with you 100%. Uh, who would be better, considering the competition level that he's played? You know, it's not like the the LSU is playing in, a, you know, a group of five conference. I mean, they're playing the best defenses in college football uh, week in and week out, and they're decimating those defenses. And uh, I, I think the thing that impresses me about Burrow is knowing where to go with the football always – and that is Breeze-esque, always in the right spot, always finding the matchup that you need to exploit. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not, but he's always going to the right spot. Uh, that is definitely Drew Breeze-like, and to do it uh, when you're his age in college, uh, I think it's truly remarkable. That's a sophisticated offense they're running. And I do think he's uniquely equipped, Larry, in, in that he's a coach's son, a grad transfer, so he's a little older and he's only got – I think he only had one class this year. Uh, so, you know, he's basically a full-time college football player. He's probably studying film all week. And I think that shows up on game days because, I mean, he's just seem, seemingly so far ahead of the defense every every game. Uh, now they got a big challenge in Clemson. I think one of the best coach teams, not only do they have the talent and athletes to keep up with uh, LSU, but – you know, Brent Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in the game, and he's got two weeks now to prepare. So I think this is going to be an incredible championship game. The defending champs 
playing in New Orleans against LSU should be off the hook. Yeah, the atmosphere is going to be wild because you assume there's going to be way more Clemson people all over town throughout the week rather than LSU folks because they're just going to come in, a lot of them probably for the Monday, and just come in for the game. And so, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and it's not like also uh, both teams are going to be spending a ton of time here in New Orleans. I think they don't arrive until that Friday. And then you have media day Saturday. Sunday and then Monday's the game. So it's not like this bowl atmosphere where you're there for a week like LSU and Oklahoma were Atlanta for the week and it's a peach bowl. Like it, it isn't necessarily a bowl game. So it's going to be a, a little bit different in that sense where they're going to be practicing mostly on their own campuses throughout the entire time. But but yeah, you you, you look, you have the matchups of Quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. I mean, he's won these matchups already, but Trevor Lawrence, we saw him overcome being taking a big-time shot, uh, getting up, kind of shaking things off and getting back in the game and and, and winning that game for uh, for Clemson. And I know Justin Fields, they had a chance to win it, but still, like, I, I still got to like LSU's chances. I mean, uh, you know, what, what team has shown that they could stop LSU's offense so far maybe Auburn and that's been about it and I think a lot of those wounds in that game were were self-inflicted more than Auburn really sticking it to LSU well something's got to give in this game because Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game in two years and he's going against LSU which you know in this current iteration really has only been challenged one game all year Um, so we're gonna something has to give in this game. I really uh, think it's going to be a great I, – I'll be surprised if anybody blows it. This won't be like last year with Clemson just walked all over Alabama. I think this is going to be two heavyweights going at it uh, in an incredible atmosphere. Clemson uh, is a big game program. You know, they played in these games before. Uh, they will not be uh, intimidated by the environment at all, I don't think. So um, it couldn't be really a better matchup in terms of, uh, you know, high-profile programs, great coaching staffs, elite quarterbacks. I mean, we're going to see Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow playing on Sundays, uh, you know, for the next decade in the NFL. So it should be a great matchup. Yeah, and you look at just the what, say, Oklahoma did. They tried to eliminate Jamar Chase, putting two guys on him, and then Justin Jefferson goes bonkers and has the game of his life. And so you got that other option, and Terrace Marshall plays well. Thaddeus Moss has a big touchdown. But also, Jeff, look, Claude Edwards-Alaire was really very limited in that game. He didn't do – he was in there for – maybe touched the ball a couple times in there for maybe some pass protection, but they didn't use him that much. They used Chris Curry a lot as their primary back. And so Clyde will be ready to go for this game. So that's another wrinkle that – I mean, we've seen him all year, but – they didn't even need him for Oklahoma. So that's one thing. And something else, Jeff, that I'm going to be writing about uh, uh, at this week at some point, the LSU defense is playing its best football we've seen all year. I mean, the past three weeks or three games that they've had, uh, it, it has really been kind of night and day with some of the performances we saw where they were they were leaky against, say, Vandy and leaky against Ole Miss. And, of course, Alabama, that was a shootout game. But – uh, they have really put the, down the clamps, say, on A&M, on Georgia, and on Oklahoma. And 
look, it's almost like the Saints are peaking at the right time. That LSU defense is starting to peak at the right time. Spot on, bud. I mean, like, that opening sequence, I think, set the tone for the whole game. Oklahoma gets the opening kickoff. The first two plays, they, they can't even get to the line of scrimmage. They lose yardage. Uh, they're faced with a third and long, and, you know, the, 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 long, the punt ends up short. And next thing you know, I mean, it's uh, LSU just off to the races. I thought they – uh, their defense, I think Shason's coming on. He's starting to look like the guy we all thought he would be. And they're playing lights out on all three levels. And they're going to get challenged in this game, I think, uh, as well as anybody all season because Trevor Lawrence is just a different cat. You know, he's an elite player. And um, he's been in every big game you could be in uh, for someone so young. So I can't wait to watch that matchup. But Dave Miranda's got him playing well, there's no doubt. Yeah, and uh, look, we'll end the podcast here on, on this note. Uh, look, it was a really a kind of a a numbing scene, even just in the press box of, and of course within the LSU locker room uh, of the uh, the the death of Carly McCord. Of course, she's been really a fixture within Louisiana sports media for the the last few years. It's like everywhere you turn, she was there smiling, and of course, she's the the daughter in law of. Uh, of Steve Ensminger, who who died in one of the five who died in that plane crash. And it was really, you could tell, like LSU, that community, and especially that team and the coaching staff and the staff members, like, like they were happy with winning the game. But that really put kind of a toll on them going through that. And, you know, it's just like your heart's out to that entire family. And look, Brody Miller... Uh, did a wonderful job uh, chronicling that. I'd also give a shout out to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, uh, who who both of them really did a great job in telling the story and being sensitive to the moment, and yet, you know, just showing just how challenging that was for everyone involved. What a tragic, heartbreaking story! Um, I can't imagine what Steve Ensminger and his family were going through. Um, and Sean Payton alluded to it after the game yesterday as well because Carly was involved in covering the Saints. She was obviously at all the Pelicans home games. Uh, so um, I can't imagine the conflict the conflict he was dealing with internally, finally getting to that stage as a coach and having to deal with um, the personal nature of, of a, a tragedy like that. It's really sad and you know, we've had a lot of that in the New Orleans media this year with Nancy Parker's death, obviously another sudden uh, involving a plane crash. I mean, it's just uh, boggles the mind. And uh, you really see the impact uh, people like Carly have when uh, you go on social media and see some of the uh, testimonies to her and her career. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and uh, look, it was, uh, I'm sure, an emotional time for everyone and they were able to play through it and, and kudos to them for that. But also they're moving forward probably for these next couple of days. And, you know, this isn't going to go away right away. Uh, so it, it's something that I know the LSU community, uh, specifically within the coaching staff and the Ensminger family, Stephen Jr., of course, the husband of uh, Carly McCord. And so, like like I said, all of our uh, all of our thoughts go out to them, and it was uh, it was really like Jeff. You, you didn't realize it, 
but you would walk through the press box and everyone's computer was looking at it just because everyone was just in shock and numbed and people didn't know how to even talk about it because it was just so sudden and so uh but but LSU was able to uh uh kind of prevail and overcome such a such a tragedy so uh so yeah it should be uh should be some uh, somber moments but uh you know look LSU was able to get uh, get the win and beat Oklahoma so uh yep so they'll be taking on Clemson coming up in about well two weeks from today so we'll uh we'll of course be covering all that so Jeff we'll let you get out of the airport uh you know we don't we don't need security coming after you anymore and uh I'm look. getting a lot of funny stares Larry as I'm <laughs> sitting here uh, let me just give the the listeners uh, a little view of what I'm doing I'm sitting I've got my laptop and my microphone stand on top of a garbage can overlooking on the third floor overlooking all the TSA security lines so people are coming by I'm sure you heard some of the luggage carts being pushed by yes. uh, from the porters by uh, and people are looking at me like what is this guy doing is he uh, some kind of security threat because I've got my laptop out and I'm kind of overseeing all the uh, security lines so yeah it might be good for me to get out of here sooner rather than later as Sean Payton would say uh, yeah absolutely so on that note Good job, Jeff. Way to, way to tough it out in the airport for the second week in a row. I want to thank Danielle, as always, our intrepid producer, for uh, putting up with our insanity, as always. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, for another edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Talk to you then.